Hey, welcome everyone back to Black Hawk Church. My name is Matt Metzger. I'm one of the pastors on staff and a part of the teaching team. And we are so glad that you have a chance to join us right now. Welcome to everyone uh, from Black Hawk Fitchburg who is with us. Welcome to everyone from Black Hawk Downtown. Welcome to people from our Gospel Fusion venue. Welcome to people from our Chinese venue, Dijon Zimei Ping An. Welcome to the people from Traditions. So glad you're here. Welcome to all of you normally sitting in this room right now in Black Hawk Live. We're glad that you guys are with us. Welcome to everyone joining us um, who normally just watch online. We also know that uh, we have a lot of new people who are just coming to check things out for the first time. Maybe you heard about Black Hawk from a friend and during this particular season that we are in as a city and in as a nation, in it really as the world with our culture, with where we are at. This is something you've wanted to check out. We're so glad that you're taking time to join us right now. I wanted to introduce you to somebody. For some of you, you already know this person. Uh, this is Miss Lynn Beanick. Lynn is a part of our college ministry uh, on staff with Blackhawk, and she also helps with Blackhawk Downtown, really leading us pretty much every week. And uh, and also every once in a while, you're out here doing that at Braider Way, isn't that right? I am, and I'm so glad to be here again. My name is Lynn, and I'm so glad to worship with you guys today online. So thanks for being here. We want to share with you about a few things that will help as we have this online experience today of church for all. All of us, this is either our first or our second time. And so a few things that will really help this experience. First of all, there's a chat tab that you'll see on the webpage. If you click on the chat tab, you can actually interact. We would love to meet you, know who you are. So share your name, tell us where you're from, what site you normally attend. If you're new, we'd love to know that too. Um, so we hope to see you engaging on the chat tab. Also, you should know that we do have staff from Blackhawk Church, all three sites that are actually in the chat. So if you have a question, feel free to put that question out there and someone from staff will be answering you. We also hope that you'll consider using the prayer. You'll see at the bottom of your screen that you can actually click request prayer. And when you do that, one, one of the people on staff will reach out to you directly and you'll get to share what's going on and how we can pray for you. You'll also notice that there's a notes tab. This tab is important because it has the lyrics to the songs that we'll be singing, as well as the scripture that we'll be hearing in the message. So we're excited. Yeah, so much of what we have set up this way for us to experience church together right now is to really give us this feeling of community being together. And, and our hope is right now, just like we have said uh, last week, just like we said at our worship and prayer night, is that you'll have a chance to be able to really dive in to the experience right now and, uh, and be a part of this. Not just to sit back and take it in as a spectator, but to dive in and to be a part of this time. And so we would love to go ahead and start with worship. And so I'm going to hand off to Pastor Koye, Mr. PC over here as uh, the team goes ahead and leads us in worship right now. All right, Pastor Matt, thank you so much. It's so good to know that we serve a great God. He's an awesome God. And um, it is in these times of uncertainty that we're able to, to experience his greatness and, and realize his greatness even more.
of your promise, Lord, or rather the promise of your presence, that you have said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, 
Surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. That we are not orphans, Lord. We are not alone. As we walk through uncertain times, as we walk through times that feel dark, we are not alone. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Your powerful loving, gracious presence will guide us, will shepherd us wherever we may go. There is nowhere we can go that you have not been and that you will not be with us. And we thank you for that this morning. We claim that promise. Thank you that we are not orphans. We are children. We are loved children. And so we ask that you would help us to trust you. We ask that in the rest of this time we have together this morning that you would be speaking through your spirit to open hearts that are ready to receive a word from you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Well, again, welcome to all of you who just in the last little bit of time have joined us as we've already begun this service. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff. We're so glad that you guys are, uh, are joining us. And uh, welcome also to uh, just to people all ages and stages of life. We know that we have got a lot of kids who are watching right now. So families, kids, we are so glad that you're joining us. If you're middle school or high school, whatever age you are, uh, if you're kids who are normally in a class right now, we're really, really glad that you are with us. We are so glad. So welcome kids, kids especially. We just want you to know that you're so welcome here. And with that, we continually want to be a church that is providing opportunities for kids to engage with the gospel in ways that are really just right for them. And so families and kids, we are so excited to tell you that our Blackhawk kids team and tech team have been working so hard so that we can have online church for kids available. So right now, families, if you are interested, you can actually go to the kids page right now if you'd like, and you can engage with the kids online church. You can also do that later today or throughout the week. We just feel that it's so important that our kids would get to see familiar faces, that they'd get to worship together and learn about the Bible together in a way that's best suited for them. So again, we're so excited. If you want to do that right now, you can, or you can do that later on in the week. Yeah, so much of what we are doing right now is we are having a chance just as our our staff team, all of us as a community, is to figure out what it looks like to not just be online services, but be online church and to be able to have different places for us to gather together in life groups, in different small elements of community, and uh, as well as on services like this or worship and prayer nights that we're hopefully going to be doing in the future. And, uh, and, and with that, one of the things I think that has really been most encouraging to me, I mean, as we are all walking through this difficult time, are the amount of emails, text messages, messages on social media I've gotten from people asking the question, like, what can I do to help? What can I do right now to, to, to really be helping with our church, in our community? What are the things that are available? And so we're working really hard to be able to get that information out to you uh, because we believe that it's important for us as a church to be able to be strong at a time like this. Uh, we know that as things continue to move forward the way that we see that they probably are going to be moving forward in the future, 
There are going to be lots of people with needs and we want to be a place that has the opportunity to be strong in our community, to be strong for our city, to be able to step in and help in different places where there's need. And so for those of you who are asking the question, what can I do to help? If you go to our homepage on our website, you're going to see three different buttons that you can click on uh, in order really to be able to get in the game in different ways. The first button that you'll see is give. Now, I know that for a lot of people around Blackhawk, you give on a regular basis and you do that online. For many of you, though, you give here on Sundays. We have the boxes in the back. We're not a pass-the-plate church. If you're new to this place, we just simply have boxes in the back because we believe that's something for the people who consider Blackhawk Church their home to be a part of. But many of you consider Blackhawk Church your home, and so we've set up this button for you to have a place to be able to click and online give if that's something that you do on a regular basis, that you would continue to be in the game with us that way. The other thing that we've set up, the next button down there is impact. And if you click on impact, there are different ways that we have set up for you to be able to consider helping in our community, helping in our city. And you can find out more information about good things to be able to do, as well as things that really aren't so helpful to do at that time. And we encourage all of you to take a look at that. And then the thing that we realize too is as we continue down this line, there are going to be lots of needs that people have for care. And, uh, and so our third button that we have down there are care, is opportunities for you to receive care. And if you have different stuff going on in your life that you feel like you could use help with, click on that button. And, uh, and we'd love to be in your life as much as we possibly can. We're, as a staff, we are, we are not just working on Sundays to put together a service. We are here all week and want to continue to be a church community that can lean on each other in the midst of difficult times. And so that's what we're hoping that we're going to continue to be doing. Awesome. And today we are excited um, for church, online church. We are jumping back into a series we are going through called Unexpected King, where we're going through the book of Mark. And so right now, let's get ready for a message from Pastor Chris. All right. Thank you, Lynn. And uh, hey, thanks for joining us uh, online. So my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk uh, Church. And uh, yeah, we're living in a very strange uh, world, a different day for us. Pretty much everything that's normal in our lives kind of been uh, thrown out of the window. So as the teaching team thought about what we should actually speak on on this Sunday, March 22nd, the first Sunday of spring, uh, we really wrestled, and then we came back to, you know what, why don't we just try to recover a little bit of normal and continue uh, with our series. So the series uh, is called The Unexpected King, and we have been going through uh, the book of Mark. We started last fall, and then we took a break around uh, 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 January. We took a break, and then we've come back uh, to the series. One of the reasons we decided that we should come back to the series was because, well, this is kind of weird. We actually put the series together last summer. So last summer, we made a decision on the teaching team that one of us on the teaching team would talk about this chapter that we're going to look at on March 22nd. This chapter is Mark chapter 13. And in Mark 13, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, yeah, everything that's normal in your world is going to be tossed out the window. So last summer, we decided that someone would do that message on this uh, Sunday. So we said, yeah, let's stick uh, with that 
uh, talk. So you're going to need a Bible. So you can grab a paper Bible uh, like my Bible, or you can uh, click on that tab and uh, just look on your screen, or you can grab a device. But everybody take a Bible and turn to Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. One of the great chapters uh, in the New Testament. Before we start, let me tell you uh, a story. If someone was visiting uh, Madison for the first time, and they came to visit my wife and I, uh, we're always like, okay, this is a no-brainer what we're going to do. Uh, for any of our visitors that come from out of town, they've never been here before, we just drive downtown. One of the thing, things that we love to see downtown is this building uh, right here. So, I mean, is that the coolest building in the world? I mean, you know, it's like awesome. I think we have the most beautiful uh, state capitol uh, building. And, you know, we get out of the car and we walk around and, you know, people gawk at it. We go inside. If you've never done a tour inside the state capitol building, you're missing it. That's just a gorgeous uh, building. You know, my wife and I have lived here for about 26 years and we are proud of that uh, building. So I th thought of that story because I thought, you know, if you were a visitor in uh, Jerusalem and you went to Jerusalem for the very first time in the days of Jesus, your hosts, if they could, most likely would take you through this uh, structure, through the temple uh, complex. And this is an artist's rendering of what you might actually see if you walk through uh, one of the uh, gates and every one of the gates is a massive door that's like gilded in gold and you would walk around and you would look at these stones and you would go, oh, these unbelievably massive stones. You know, some of the stones in the uh, outside wall of the portico still exist. They're called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. You would just look at these stones and you would go, oh my gosh, and you would look at these buildings, you go, those are magnificent buildings. And <laughs> they were magnificent uh, buildings. So much gold, gold, gold uh, everywhere in uh, this building. And you would just like be going, oh my gosh, what fantastic fantastic architecture. This is the center of Jerusalem. It's the center of Judaism. It was a building that any Jewish person in the first century would have been really proud of. And that's where we're at today in the series. Jesus has been in Jerusalem for a few days, and he has just been telling the people who run the temple uh, that there's like it's, it's like what I said a few weeks ago. It's like an old Western. And he looks at them and he says, there's not room in this town for both of us. You're going down. And he has told his disciples that this building and their leaders are full of corruption. And they are about ready to leave this building. And he is his disciples. And that's where we pick it up in Mark chapter 13, verse 1. So I hope you have a Bible, because I'm going to be reading through the whole chapter. Here we go. Mark 13, 1. i got to calm down. I'm a little excited. This is a great piece of literature, you guys. Here we go. Mark 13, verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here 
will be left on another, everyone will be thrown down. Stop, stop, stop. See what Jesus is doing right here? Right here, he's saying, yeah, you see what you can count on, what you count on, what you're proud of, what's solid in your life, these stones, massive structure, yeah, that's going to be thrown out the window. You're normal, out the window. Because it's not going to be like that anymore. The disciples respond, verse 3, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? So they asked two questions. Look Look at these questions. When will these things happen, and what will be the sign they are about ready to be fulfilled? Now, Jesus knows three things as he's on the Mount of Olives talking to these four disciples. These are the three things that Jesus knows. He knows that he's going to die. He's told them that he's going to die, but they don't uh, believe it. But he knows that's going to take place. Second thing, he knows that the temple is going to be destroyed. He's warning them and preparing them for difficult times that are coming. And the third thing he knows is this. He knows that they will need hope because their normal, their world is going to be thrown out the window. What Jesus proceeds to do here is give a very famous answer to those two questions. It's referred to as the Olivet Discourse because they are on the Mount of Olives as he instructs these disciples. And what we're going to go through now is very difficult to understand. Trust me. It's difficult for a number of reasons. One reason it's difficult is because of the audience. So the audience that he's speaking to are those four disciples, and they're talking about those buildings that are right there that they just came out of. But also there is another audience, and that is the fact that Mark is writing to people who live in Rome probably about 30 or so years after this event actually takes place as Jesus is speaking. So that becomes difficult too because Mark is, everything we know here is what Mark writes down. And then the third audience is actually, Mark was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write things down so that other people in the age that follows, our age, would be able to listen in on this conversation. So the audience, who's the audience? That's one of the reasons it's difficult. Another reason it's difficult is ancient history. Most of us don't know much about ancient history. Maybe we'll tour a place like Rome or something and we'll learn more about ancient history where we don't know much about it. Most of us don't know that in 69 uh, AD, uh, Rome had four emperors. Most of us don't know that. Most of us don't know that in 70 AD, uh, a general named Titus uh, comes through and destroys uh, Jerusalem and just kind of just basically you know, wipes it out, and it's a massive destruction, and most of us are not familiar with that. If we go uh, to Rome today, you'd see uh, this structure. This is the Arch of Titus. It was built in 81 uh, AD, and if you walked uh, closer to it, you would see this. This is a 
a depiction of Roman soldiers carrying out things that they got in the temple. But most of us, this is just ancient history. We're not familiar with it. So that's another reason why it's difficult. The third reason why this uh, literature is difficult is because just the nature of the literature is prophetic discourse. And to understand prophetic discourse and the kind of language Jesus used, you have to know something about the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. So he's going to make some references there. That makes it difficult. And just the words themselves, what Jesus is going to say, it's really hard to parse out. So uh, people that believe uh, in the Bible and call themselves Christ followers, let's just say evangelicals, divide into two different camps as they interpret this chapter. One camp believes uh, this, and this is an oversimplification, trust me. (laughs) Some believe that all of Mark 13 is about the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and none of it is about the second coming of Christ. The destruction of the temple and seeing the Son of Man come in the clouds refer to the same event. We'll see those two things. He's talking about the destruction, and he's going to talk about seeing the Son of Man come. Some people see, oh, that's the same event. Another view is this view. Some believe that some of Mark 13 is about the destruction of the temple that happened in AD 70, and some of it is about the second coming of Christ, the destruction of the temple and seeing the Son of Man come in the clouds are not referring to the same event. So you'll see as we read through this, you can see how some people see, oh, this is the same thing, and other people go, no, there must be two separate things. So let me just kind of tell you my view. I hold to the second view. I think that Jesus is collapsing two things onto the same discourse, something that's going to happen in AD 70, and then he's also going to refer to a time that is yet future and that still hasn't happened. One more thing before we start the Olivet Discourse, and that's this. Did those four men that he was talking to Did they believe that he was going to rise from the dead? The answer is no. The answer is no. They didn't believe that. None of them were camped outside the tomb after he rose from the dead. So for Jesus to try to help them see that he's actually going to return someday, that would have been to those people a very difficult concept to grasp. All right, here we go. The Olivet Discourse. Mark chapter 13, verse 5. I hope you have a Bible. You're going to need it. Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and he will deceive and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial... 
Do not worry beforehand about what you're to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Whoa. He is telling those four disciples, bad times are coming. Horrible, horrible times. And he's warning them that they themselves are going to be persecuted. Dark days. But hold on. It gets darker. Chapter 13. Verse 14, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out, let no one in the field go back to get their cloak, how dreadful will it be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be the days of distress unequaled from beginning of time when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. All right, let's stop there. Let's go back to uh, a couple of things in that section. Did you notice uh, these verses? When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Okay, what, 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 what's happening right there? Whoa, 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 whoa. So my view is that that's not Jesus saying to those four guys, let the reader understand. They're not reading anything. That, to me, is Mark is inserting that. And he's saying to his audience, who's in Rome, like in the 60s, let the reader understand that the bad things are about ready to happen in Jerusalem. What's going to happen? You see that phrase, the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong. Oh my, what does that refer to? Well, again, you have to know something about the Old Testament. So back in the book of Daniel, Daniel prophesies about the abomination of desolation that will happen. And he's most likely referring to something that happened in like 167 BC when a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes comes in and uh, desecrates uh, the temple. The Jews uh, kick him out and the people that followed him and they had a, a, a great holiday that they celebrate. When that took place, we call that Hanukkah. And then there's gonna be another abomination of desolation that takes place and Jesus is referring to that. And it could refer to when this general Titus comes into Jerusalem in 70 AD and wipes out the city and tears down the temple. Here's an artist's rendering of uh, that uh, destruction. 
Ancient historians tell us it was a, a period of destruction that was so horrible. There uh, was so many people who died in this. The Romans crucified so many people outside of Jerusalem that historians say they ran out of wood to make the crosses. It was an awful time. And Jesus is warning those disciples about this destruction that's going to be taking place. Now let's continue reading. Verse 24. But in those days following that distress... The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. All right, let's look back at that passage. When Jesus says, see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, so some people hold that that is referring metaphorically to the destruction of the temple in AD 70. My view is that this is, this is something that hasn't happened yet. This is yet future. And Jesus, is in a prophetic voice, is collapsing Two different things that happened far apart from each other. And the Old Testament prophecies are filled with this kind of thing. It would be like this. It'd be like if you're standing on uh, one mountain and you're looking over a mountain range. From that perspective, it looks like those mountains are like right next to each other. But if you traveled sideways, you'd see, no, no, there's great gaps between those mountain peaks. And that those, those gaps represent in prophetic teaching great gaps of time. So there's going to be this destruction of the temple, but yet he's also talking about something that's going to happen a long time after that, another peak, the return of Christ, which is yet to take place. That's the view that I hold. But then he goes back and talks about that first peak, the destruction of the temple. Verse 28. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. All right, let's look at that again. When you see these things, what are these things? My view says that these things refer to the destruction of the temple, not the coming of the Son of Man, because this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. He also says that. So you see why this is such a difficult passage to understand. Now let's close out the Olivet Discourse with verse uh, 32. Mark 13, 32. But about that day or hour, now I think Jesus is going back now. Now he's referring to the coming of the Son of Man. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father will know. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task and tells the one at the door to keep watch. 
Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he suddenly comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. All right, let's go back and look at that. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And Jesus says the same kind of things as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 1, where the disciples ask him, when is the king going to come to establish his kingdom? And he says, no one knows, only the Father knows. So I think here, Jesus is actually talking not about the destruction of the temple, but what's going to happen yet in the future. All right, that was the Olivet Discourse compressed in just a few uh, minutes. What in the world does something like this have to say to us in the days that we are living in with COVID-19 everywhere? A couple lessons for our life. First lesson for our life. Following Christ does not make us immune to difficult times. It doesn't make us immune to difficult times. Many of us have had our worlds just turned upside down. I mean, all of us. Normal is just thrown out the window. We're used to having, at least in this country, many of us, times of prosperity. Our 401ks have been doing well. Things are good. We feel solid about the future. And all of a sudden, boom. And we're starting to go, whoa, whoa. Like, what's happening? This is just a reminder to us that historically, most of the people that have lived in the world have not lived in a time of prosperity that they could actually count on. That certainly was true in the days of the New Testament when uh, it, was, it was not normal to be prosperous. Most people uh, suffered, and it was, just, it was just part of life. And you weren't going to be running into Christ followers who said, well, why am I suffering? Suffering was just a part of their normal experience. And we are, we are going through a dark time today. And people who study COVID-19 and know something about what's happening tell us it's probably going to get worse. It's Dr. Francis Collins, who is the director of the National Institutes of Health. If you look at the rates of the new cases that are being diagnosed, we are on an exponential curve that curve, some would say, places us only about eight days behind Italy. If that's true, we have only a very short period of time before this becomes an obvious national crisis. Francis Collins is the director of the National Institutes of Health, and he is a solid Christ follower. I've had the privilege of meeting Francis Collins several different occasions and I can tell you this is a man of integrity and in what he says we should actually pay attention to. All I'm trying to say is this. It's not unusual for Christ followers to go through very difficult times. Second lesson for our life. 
When a crisis happens, people become vulnerable and open to uh, deception. So you can see Jesus warning them. And he says, watch out that no one deceives you. False messiahs, false prophets will appear to deceive. Just trust me, Blackhawk, trust me. There's going to be some Christians out there who are going to produce all kinds of uh, literature and videos and podcasts about, oh, COVID-19 is a sign of the end times, and it's going to happen, and they're going to sell all kinds of things, and they're going to dupe so many people. You can probably just Google COVID-19 in the Bible and find, in fact, you know, we did that. Here's some websites that, no, I'm not going to show you any of those websites. You think I'm crazy? No way. Don't believe that stuff, you guys. Just don't believe it. Whenever people try to interpret the Bible with a newspaper, you run into all kinds of problems. So don't do that. Third lesson for our life. Our ultimate hope is in the return of the king. Until then, we must be faithful with our assigned tasks. Did you see that? And Jesus is speaking at the end of the Olivet Discourse. He has this metaphor of, uh, of this king, of this wealthy landowner. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. So he has servants They have assigned tasks. There's a doorkeeper, and then there's others that have different tasks. So our ultimate hope is in the return of Christ, but what is our assigned task right now? What's our assigned task? Our assigned task is today to be the body of Christ. Our assigned task today is to love our neighbor as ourself. In these days of COVID-19, what's The most practical thing that we, as a body of believers, can do to love our neighbors. The answer is exactly what you're doing right now. You're staying home, and we're practicing social distancing. You're not around other people. That's one of the most practical things we can do. Here's Francis Collins again. Now we have a chance to change the exponential curve by applying now the most draconian measures of social, on social distancing to try to limit the spread of the coronavirus from person to person. You should see us uh, as we're putting uh, this talk together, uh, the musicians and people in the tech and everybody that's on the platform. We're, stay, we're at six feet, six feet. We're doing our very best to wipe everything down. We're doing our very best. And you should do your very best to... Practice social distancing. That's one of the ways that we can do Why are we doing that? Because we're afraid? No. But because we love people, that's why we're doing it. We're living out our assigned task as we hope for the return of Christ. And there's lots of things we can do besides just staying away from each other and practicing social distancing. And as Matt said, if you go to our homepage... You will find, just click on impact, and you will find all of these different things. Pray, stay healthy, check in. And each one of these things, if you, and you probably are doing that right now while I'm talking, which is great. You can click on each one of those, and you'll find a whole bunch of things that our impact team has put there. Links to different organizations that you can pray for and that you can ask questions to. 
You guys, this is a time we just don't take food to different organizations. Some organizations are not accepting food right now. You just don't take clothing to different organizations. They're not accepting those things. So we've provided links for you uh, right there on the homepage. Click on the homepage and click on impact. And you'll go to some very practical things that our impact team has put together to help us in a practical way Love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus also refers to somebody who is a doorkeeper. And we don't have doorkeepers uh, today. Back in those days, uh, if you were wealthy, you had a place that had an entrance and a servant was there to kind of keep watch on who was coming and going. Today, we don't have doorkeepers. Some of us have smart homes, and they have like a ring device or something. It's always, always watching, always watching, always watching. And that is what Jesus ends this discourse with by saying, always be watching. Keep hope. I know today it's hard to do that. I mean, when normal's thrown out the window, It's hard to stay positive. But one thing we can do is to be like a doorkeeper. What's our ultimate hope? Our ultimate hope, you guys, is not in a vaccine. Our ultimate hope is in the return of Christ to establish his kingdom on this world. Someone say amen. Amen. I hear that. I hear that amen. Here, the last uh, chapters in Revelation go like this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I had a friend who just died on Friday night, and I just talked to his wife and children yesterday, and there's just tears everywhere. There'll be a day, there'll be a day when there'll be no more crying, no more pain. The last words, last words in the Bible are these words. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes Take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. All God's people said, amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we are living in a world where normal has been thrown out the window. And and it's scary And we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen. But we know it's going to affect us in so many different ways. We pray, Father, just like those four disciples who who sat on that Mount of Olives and listened to Jesus, that we would listen to you, that we would put our hope in you, But now, Father, help us at our assigned task 
to be your body in this world, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to be careful with social distancing, and to pray for and reach out to people who are going through the most difficult of times. Help us to be that church, to build a loving community that follows Christ so we can reach our community around us. We pray this in Christ's name and for his sake, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, as we have, uh, have done recently in many of our services, we, we want to give a little time here at the end just for people to be able to reflect on the things that we just heard in the message. That was a powerful message from Chris. And it's going to be really easy for us in just a few minutes to kind of click back into the things that we are doing in life, the needs that our kids have, the things that need to be done around the house, the news and different uh, different subjects that continue to come in as this continues, this whole COVID-19 thing continues to change our world. But we want to give just a few minutes for us just to be able to pause and reflect. And we have a, a couple of slides of questions that we'd love to just give you a little bit of time just to be silent and, uh, and to have a chance to be able to think about these things as we remember a God who gives us hope. Hope in th- that we can really find our security in that he is one who will come again and wipe away every tear. But not only that, but that we know that he is with us right in the midst of our situations and circumstances right now. It's not that just someday he will return and until then he's just distant, but we know he is completely with us now. Matthew 28 is a passage that says, and surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. We can place our hope in that. And so here are two questions we'd love for you just to be able to think about. Uh, Maybe if you want to chat, you can write your answers in there. If this is something that you like to externally process, maybe this is time that you just want to take to be quiet right now. How did you experience God's presence and faithfulness this past week? And how might that give you hope for what's ahead? Take a minute or two right now just to be able to sit and ponder on those things.
As we continue, we have one more slide with a question we'd love for you to have a minute to think about. And that is, you know, Chris just talked about us being doorkeepers, those who are attentive to the, the needs of, of our world that we live in, to the needs of others, those who have the chance to be able to step into the pain, the suffering, the difficulty that other people might be dealing with. And so the other question we'd love for you to think through is in the midst of this crisis, what might God be asking you to do to love and serve those around you? Take a minute to think about that now.
you together in community this morning, even through being online. God, you are in control right now, and I thank you for the chance to worship you together. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.
I love this message today. I love it because it hits so close to home for all of us. Right now, the world is changing. Things are changing by the hour. And with that, things that we usually can count on, it's like we can't count on them right now. If I'm being honest, by the hour, my feelings inside, I'm all over the place. I'm up here and then I'm down here and then I hear the news and there's just so much happening. It's overwhelming. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. And I have this tension where I have to remind myself that though the world, everything's changing. The ground feels like sinking sand. We have a hope that is secure in Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we can count on him, that he's going to return. And there's a day coming where there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. Jesus was the same pre-COVID, and Jesus will be the same after COVID. We can count on him. And so I want to remind you of that hope. I encourage you to continue to chat. You've got about 10 minutes left in the chat room after this. We can't wait to worship with you again in future online services. I want to leave you with a benediction from Romans chapter 15, which says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, Jesus, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great day, everybody.